This is The Jolt with Larry Flick on Sirius XMLQ. So it's always fun when Sophia Bush comes to see us. Why did I just sing that? I don't know. Something about you makes me burst into song. Well, that's lovely. Good morning. (laughs) No, it's not. It's very sweet. (laughs) I'll take it. It's good to have you back, my darling. It's very nice to be here. You're looking very relaxed and chill today. I'm enjoying. Thank you. So uh, how, how are you doing? How's life treating you? Life is really good, yeah. you know. Uh, working we're, hard. We're working really hard, and it hasn't started snowing in Chicago yet, so everyone is still sort of soaking up the the last days outside that they can. This is a good thing. Yeah, this it's is great. a good thing. So the uh, new season of uh, of Chicago PD is uh, is uh, unwrapping as we speak, and of course, you know Sophia Bush as Erin Lindsay. This is such a good show. And and what's really neat about it is that it's a show that kind of like, we've talked about this before. It feels like it just sort of snuck up on people. Mm. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like one of those shows that some shows have tons of fanfare. Mm. And then you just look at it and you go, that was a lot of noise, <laughs> but not a lot of pop. Right. And this is a show that just kind of like came on and it's all meat. It's all tasty. It's all good. Mm. And it's, you know. It's got some. It's got some legs on it. It is really special. You know, you feel like you're watching something. I like it because I feel like I'm watching something that everybody involved in some fashion cares very much about, which I couldn't say about ninety nine percent of what I watch. So, um, what's it? What's it like to be away from it for a while? Because we, you get a break, right? Mm-hmm. And you reconnect when when you're when you're. Looking at what they have planned for Aaron, mm. what's the first thing you're looking for? Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know if this makes me sadistic, but I I was hoping or or asking rather that that she stay in this sort of dark place. Uh, That'd be fun to for play. a while, yeah, because it's so much fun for me to play and and to explore and you know the writers had a good laugh and they were like listen we can't do that to the audience (laughs) we can't have you be this miserable uh hot mess for the first half of the season it's not gonna happen and i was like well okay uh can i go back though can we could could, i would i'd be asking can can i go back can we can we ever fall down a dark well like you know around february yeah i mean we'll see uh, we don't have the scripts that far out, but but that's always what's interesting is, you know, we we do have such a good team, and you're right, everybody does care so much. And for us as actors, you know, we're, we're just waiting. We're counting down the days till we get our first script when we're on hiatus. And, and when I read it, I just thought, God, they nailed this. You know, they they really did something so smart, and, and they gave me so much room to to play and to uncover the stuff that's hard you know the the sort of stickiness in this human's condition and I think that it's it's exciting to see and I think that as they're so willing to do that for so many of us as characters it's the reason that we get this great feedback that this is not your average cop show no it's it's I you know it's funny because it's obviously very much a cop show but you forget about that soon. The, the that aspect of it almost seems I don't want to say incidental, 
but it seems to be a framework that a whole lot of other mm. things are going on. That's funny. I was going to say a framework. Yeah. Um, what what has been the most surprising thing for you as an actor playing this dark phase of Aaron's? Mm. Um, because there are parts of it that you can sort of. I don't want to say predict, but certain things that you can sort of prepare for. Mm -hmm. And other things that while you think you've got it figured out, you pause. Yeah. Well, it's, I think that's really so much how it is in life. And the trick is to give yourself the permission to go there and also to be patient with yourself, to hold strong in uncomfortable situations mm. and I think so many of us get very good at you know nose to the grindstone keep moving get everything done don't show weakness and to be in a place where I'm opening up all of that stuff for a character I have to actually be in that place you know I have to be terribly uncomfortable with the emotions that she's feeling because they're being felt in my body. Well, that's the masochistic part of it all, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we joke. It's like, you know, it's it's a little insane what we do. We have to sort of emotionally manipulate ourselves uh, for work. But it it really is a sort of exercise, and I think it can be really fascinating because you can do it for a character because it's your job, and then it it might just be the sort of thing that makes you go, oh, I, I should probably give myself a little bit of space for this mm. as well. So how how did you navigate that in your in your life when you're when you're in the throes of the darkest period of, of Aaron's story? And and y'all mm. have to y'all have to catch up on on the story because I'm I, we do not give plot away here. I, mm -hmm. I, I like people to discover the way I do as a viewer. Um, how do you how do you do that? How do you go home? Mm. You know, it's tricky because she's really in this tremendously negative feedback loop. You know, it's a lot of shame and a lot of blame and. And all of that stuff. And, and that that's tricky stuff to deal with as a person. And it's very tough, I think, to turn those loops off, no matter what, for anybody, regardless sure. of, of what it is you do or, or what situation you're in. And so there's really, I think, just an attempt at being aware that you're creating this loop for this character that's important so that you can go there and just even to give yourself pause at the end of the day to say, okay, that all feels really real and it feels really hard, but that's not my story. That's not my truth. I have to just create a slight break. And yeah, I'm, I'm going home and I'm emotionally exhausted. And, you know, there'd be days where I literally would like kick my shoes off and just crawl into my bed and go to sleep in my clothes, like just done. Mm. But the the taking of that moment to say, okay, I have to let this stop. I think help, it helps you leave it at work. Are you able to though? Because I'll, I'll have to be the reason why I'm asking is because if I've had a day of very draining conversations, for example, where it seems like everybody is promoting something that's very dark. And so mm. we're in that zone or 
I'm in meetings and everyone is just too preoccupied with the wrong things. Mm. And, and, and I feel sometimes like I'm, I'm a sponge for everybody's mm -hmm. emotions, including my own, which can oh, yeah, be I kind mean, of I intense. Um, I'll tell myself almost like a mantra, this isn't real, this isn't real, this isn't real, this isn't real. Mm. But saying it and feeling it and believing it are two completely different things. So right. how do you do that? Well, I think it, it can be, it's, it's a bit of semantics, honestly, but it is real. It, it's, it's actually very real. It's just not your truth. Mm. And I think that, that giving yourself that differentiation can help to say, okay, th this stuff is not my truth. This is not my reality. Um, you know, it, it happens and it's happening, but not currently to me. And, and you can be affected by the fact that it is happening in the world, but you can also in the same moment be very grateful that it's not your personal reality. When did you learn how to do that? That's I'm a, still learning how to do that's it. That's a skill, Sophia. Um, that's a really remarkable skill. That's it, a skill that we can all learn. I'm still learning, and it takes a lot of practice, and I'm not, I'm not perfect at it by any means. But, you know, even just yesterday, I was having a conversation. A, a friend of mine started this incredible organization called Organize that is working on changing the way that organ donation works in the United States. Wow. Uh, Five people a day die waiting for organs that are actually readily available, but the systems state to state are not connected. And so they're not talking to each other fast enough. And there's this tremendous amount of waste happening in, in this area where we don't have room for waste. We don't have room for inefficiency. And she's creating these incredible programs. And and I'm I'm so in awe of her. And we're talking about what that looks like in the medical field and the fact that this is actually a, a business problem. It has to be looked at and tackled as a numbers game. And and I was asking her about how she's able to be so efficient and and tackle the problem in the way that she is and and also be hearing these stories about these these people who are literally dying as they as they're waiting to get a, a liver or a kidney or lungs and you know, she, she was like, I'm sick about it. And she said, you know, I have a, she has a three month old baby. And she said, I have, I have this little daughter who I look at and I'm reading stories every day about what's happening to Syrian refugees. And I'm looking at these parents carrying their children, trying to bring them to safe places. And, and I'm literally sick to my stomach and sobbing reading the news. But the thing is, I know from my work in the spaces that we all are working to elevate that we have the power to create positive social change and I would give anything to be able to save those families but what I can do is work on saving families who are on these organ donor lists and I can be aware of what's happening to these refugees and I can try to use my voice in the avenues that I know that I can and and that's all we can do you know if if you just look at it and allow it to crush you it will because it's daunting and it's depressing and it's it is rough out there for people. Yeah. And and so I take my responsibility as an actor who's telling a story that is very rough, who's gone through a tremendous loss, who is suffering and who is dealing with 
addiction and all of these things, I take that very seriously because I know that to be the reality for people. And if us telling the story in the right way can help a viewer, one viewer, then we've done our job. And so it's really about just reminding yourself, yes, care. Yes, look at it and let the gravity of it hit you. But also remember that you are so lucky to be where you are. You are so lucky to not be in that place and and use that good fortune to try to better the lives of people who are less fortunate than you. It's really all you can do. Very wise words. That's Sophia Bush joining us here on The Jolt. I'm Larry Flick, the uh, new season of Chicago PD on NBC. Um, did you anticipate this kind of material when you decided to, uh, as an actor, start exploring television? Because this is, I mean, I remember watching you on One Tree Hill, and I've seen, you know, I mean, it's, it was a fun show, but this is this is different mm-hmm. because this show achieves what you've just said, and it's also entertaining at the same time. Mm. Um, I, I've talked to so many actors who say, I go into TV anticipating one thing, and then I hope for the best. Mm. What did you anticipate? Uh, I think because I knew that I was going to work for Dick Wolf, I knew that he wouldn't shy away from anything. And with the showrunners who he hired to run PD, I I also knew just looking at the work that they had done before that they were really willing to go there. You know, they're they're not looking to make a shiny product. They want it to be messy and real and gritty and and rough around the edges. And that excites me. And what? so uh, you you never really know what to expect but uh i did i did know that this character was different i i knew that from the first script that i read and i'm i'm really pleased with what they've done with her so far it must be also exciting because when you look at what this uh what this character is being given what you're being given as an actor to do with this character um it kind of takes away any confusion about what you're capable of right because mm. we look at a an attractive young blonde woman and we think oh wouldn't she be good in a rom-com and i'm <laughs> sure you can nail a rom-com and i'm sure someday when you're ready to you will but I watched this and I I would be embarrassed to ask you to do a rom-com if I were a casting director because I would think that would be an insult. It would be really nice to do a comedy and just laugh at work for a summer. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Uh, that that would be awesome. But it, it is it is very nice when when you get to flex a little bit. Especially um you know as as great as it was to to do One Tree Hill for so long. Sadly, those shows sort of have this stigma that I don't think they deserve, and and people almost don't, they don't take them that seriously. And no, then, this is a good show. And then they go back and watch it, and they go, "Oh my god, that show was actually amazing." And I'm like, "So why did you think it wasn't just because it it started off as a as a sort of young adult thing? I mean." The Hunger Games is young adult, and look at how incredible that is. I read yeah. each of those books in a day, and the movies are beautiful. I mean, they're they're these massive stories of 
humanity and, and struggle and redemption and heroism. And, you know, I don't think it's it's ever fair to uh, to judge a book by its cover or by the initial age range of its genre. But, you know, that said, you you, you deal with you deal with whatever other people have dubbed you to be, whether it's true or not. And and so, yeah, it's it is a bit fun to work on this show and have everybody go, oh, holy shit, she can be really dark. And oh, my God, she's a badass and she does all her own stunts. And she and I'm like, yeah, guys, I've always done this stuff. I love I love when Erin is and badass. It's I, really I fun love, for me. I'm like, yeah, favorite. bring it on. Let's do this. It's my favorite. I'm yeah, not going to lie. Um, all right. So what does it mean to be a young woman as an actor right now? What does that What does that mean? Because it, you know, everyone is 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 in some fashion defined by the time mm. in which they do their work, and this is a very complicated time for actors. I think. Mm. What does it mean to be you? That's tricky. Um, I think it's a very inspiring time when you look across the board at television and you see what women are doing in television but still when you look at the numbers and you look at the statistics it's not enough there's not enough women who are writing there's not enough women who are directing and I'm glad that those conversations are being had Mm -hmm. you know for many years I feel like I've been shouting from the rooftops that we need to use our voices and that we have this real ability to create change and and sort of light these fires. And in the last year, it really seems that everyone is getting it and talking about it and and sort of jumping on board to these larger purpose-driven ideas. And I'm excited to see those things being highlighted by such amazing women who have these massive megaphones and they have them because they're doing such interesting work. When I look at Mindy Kaling, when I look at Tatiana Maslany, um, when I look at Christina Hendricks, when I, I just am looking around in, in TV and I love what all of my friends and also my sort of idols in my peer group are doing. And I think it's exciting. Can you tell me a little bit about The Girl Project? Yeah. So The the Girl Project is this very incredible initiative that Glamour Magazine has launched. You know, they reach one in eight women in America. Um, and their readership is incredible. And they they really lead with purpose as well. And I'm really excited to see them doing this you know they they've realized that there's a lot to be done abroad and there's a lot to be done at home and so they're working on creating this sort of umbrella for causes and and elevating women and making sure that girls have access to education and uh two organizations overseas and two organizations here at home and they're funding everything everything that girls need and, you know, just Saturday at the Global Citizen Festival, I listened to the First Lady talk about the fact that there are 62 million girls in the world today who don't have access to education. 
And not only is that a moral issue, but it is, in fact, an economic issue. It is, in fact, a health issue. We know that if we could create economic parity in the workforce between men and women for 15 years, that we would raise the GDP by 12 percent. We know that women who have secondary school education raise healthier families because they're less likely to contract diseases. They're less likely to have children at a young age and die from complications in childbirth. They raise healthier families. They have fewer kids, which is healthier for the world. It, it's just exciting that the, that the word is out because not only is it about these sort of heart-forward moral imperative to say these girls deserve better, but we also have the data to back up what it will do for the world. And that, to me, just feels incredible and it's it's great that people are having these conversations and and I'm I'm so excited that they've put together this initiative and that we'll be able to help make a dent in the problem. That's Sophia Bush joining us on the jolt. Um so in the time we've been sitting here, we've been sitting here talking for oh, about 20 minutes. We've talked about your craft. We've talked about being a badass. <laughs> we've talked about um Organize. We've talked about the Girl Project. Um, how are you so calm? You have a very exciting but overwhelming plate of interests. Mm. How do you stay so calm? Because these are really amazing things. When I, mm. yeah, yeah, when when you just started talking about organize, I thought, and I'll say this right into the mic as it as we're on the air. I would like to have your friend on my show to talk about oh, that. Oh, you have to talk to Jenna. Because, She's amazing. Because it sounds, she sounds like someone I would love to know and someone I would love the people who listen to the show mm. to know. But that's heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. Most people only gravitate toward one heavy thing in their lives. But it's interesting to me because, and and I almost think a disservice has been done in the world of entertainment because for so long, and I remember hearing it when I was young, uh, you know, and interning for my dad and, and he would be doing these photo shoots and I'd hear like an actor's publicist be saying like, well, we really need to focus on this one cause. And to me, that sounds so illogical because there's so much going on in the world mm. that matters. And there are so many things that I know from personal experience that I am so passionate about because they're important. And and saying that we have to pick one thing to care about is like saying that you're going to go to the doctor and they're only ever going to examine your bicep, but that's supposed to make your body healthy. The planet is like a human body. There are so many systems that are interconnected and it, and it takes all of them running at their sort of highest performance efficiency to be a truly healthy person. And it's the same for the world. The more that we can elevate all of these different communities and work on all of these different systemic issues, the, the healthier the planet becomes. And, and it's impossible not to see that maternal health and the environment and access to education and water sanitation and all of this stuff, they're interconnected. And when I hear that there are people dying from easily solvable problems and I have a friend who happens to be brilliant enough to know that she can turn the system over and make it 50% more efficient within three years I go how can I help you you know that that's not the thing that I'm inventing but it's something that one of my brilliant friends is working on while I'm over here working on education and and women's rights 
they're actually all important. They're all the same because I look at Jenna, for example, and what she's doing with Organize. And she's doing it because she's brilliant. And she's doing it because she is educated. And she's doing it because she's a conscious woman who looks at the world around her and says, I want this place to be better. And and we we do these things as a team. You know, all of all of my friends and, and all of the great people who are are in my crew who work in the nonprofit space and in politics and all over the place, we we do this as a as a unit. And that's why I think it feels doable to me. And also why I could just never I could never pick one thing and be like, oh, I'm going to focus on this, even though all these other fascinating things are happening around me. Eh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to pay them any mind. I'm like, I want to read about all of it. I want to talk about all of it. I want to help with all of it. it. It just feels full that way. Well, you're, you're what we, back in my um, early activist days, call a connector. Some people... Some people have their laser focus. Because think about your friend Jenna. Mm. We need her laser focus. Oh, beyond. Right? Um, and some people are that. And some people are, they have just have tentacles. Mm. What and, they, I think... and what they do is they just kind of like pull, pull, yeah. connect. Pull, pull, connect. And that's what you are. What's also interesting for me, though, is that I know that part of <clears throat> the way that I'm efficient here is by broadcasting. Because mm -hmm. I have a very large audience. Yeah. And there's no way that when we're, you know, sort of combining all the various social channels and and we can estimate that if I'm posting about one of these things, I'm reaching about four million people. All four million people are not going to care about one thing. So the more fascinating and efficient and amazing organizations and projects I can highlight and talk about to those four million people, little percentages of those people are going to go, ooh, I want to work on that health issue. Oh, I want to work on that women's rights issue. Oh, I want to build schools overseas. Oh, I want to talk about what's happening in my city. Whatever it may be, the more things that I highlight, the more people I can help find something that matters to them. So when you... How do you quiet all of this when it's time to be an actor? This is all the stuff that, that fuels the story. Yeah. This is this is all the stuff that makes me say stories matter. And telling them in a full way matters. You know, if, if I didn't have passion about the world and want to make it a better place, I don't know how I would play a cop who's dedicated her life to making her city better. You're so smart, Sophia Bush. You're so smart. You're very inspiring. And um, you, make, you make those of us who um, have been in, in this game, whether it be entertainment or activism, a long time, very hopeful. Because we need new folks, young kids. We need new talent and energy to pick up the baton. Thank you. So congratulations and thank you. For coming here and sharing all of that and for being fun as well but for knowing that i mean you 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 have in so many ways validated the thesis of what we try to do here which is we try to have fun we try to laugh we listen to music whatever 
But every once in a while, you have to stop the silly and remind mm-hmm. people that the world is spinning. Well, and all of it's important. You know, I remember years ago, we we took 10,000 kids to Washington, D.C. to march and talk to leaders about committing to stopping the LRA and their atrocities against children and communities in Africa. And we had a speaker that day who got up and said, for every step that you march in defense of someone else, you have to dance in celebration of this gift that you have of life. And it's really important to do both. You mm-hmm. can't have one without the other. You know, there, there's, there's got to be a light side and a shadow side. And, and you, you, can't, you can't just listen to music and screw around and have a good time. And you can't just dedicate yourself to trying to eradicate the world's problems. You have to do both to be your fullest self. I agree. Couldn't agree with you more, Sophia Bush. <sighs> I love you. Please come <laughs> I love back. you too. Please come back. Always. Look, look for Sophia Bush on Chicago PD. NBC will remind you of all that's going on with that show as it unfolds. Stick around. There's more to come on The Jolt. 